So Paul has been uh, boasting of himself since chapter 11, and he now he continues to do so in this chapter as well. And chapter 12 is the beginning of the conclusion of 2 Corinthians. And to bo uh, boasting, boasting itself is not uh, pleasing in the Lord's eyes. But however, because the church of Corinth is so immature, uh, Paul needed to boast of himself so that they could understand his, his, his uh, side of the argument. And in the end, Paul was boasting of his weaknesses rather than his strengths. He's not saying, I'm good at this, so, so only look at this. But uh, we've, we've seen in the morning, this morning, about uh, the equation of our weaknesses being our uh, leading to our victory. And today, we'll also be looking into that theme. When we are weak, we are victorious. In the world, this equation does not make sense because those who are weak are considered weak and considered low. But as you know, in the spiritual world in, and in the order of God, it's different. And so we need to give up the very effort that we put in to strengthen ourselves because our victory is decided when we acknowledge our weakness and cast it to the Lord. And after AD 52, Paul has been continually uh, uh, training himself in this regard and allowing himself to bear the cross of Jesus in his life and receiving hardships, sufferings, distresses. And in every situation, uh, none of these situations came and uh, came, came, overwhelmed him. And he was able to overcome them without falling into despair or, or depression. Because he knew that in his weakness, God will lead him to victory. And truthfully, because the life of the resurrection of Christ is already planted within us, and this life source comes from the one who is beyond our, our universe, that's why um, nothing in this world can become a problem for him. And when we live by the, when we respond by the Spirit, we do not, we will allow the Lord to work through us and not limit his his works. So we should not try to receive the strengths of the world. This needs to be embodied within you. Uh, throughout your life, especially through the education that you have received in Babylon. The ba Babylon has been training you in this sort of way, giving you, planting the mindset within you that you need to, to, to work hard and, and put an effort to strengthen yourself so that you can survive in this system. But as soon as we have been met with Christ, we are renewed in Him. We have become a new creation. And even us as pastors, at times we have fallen into religion and, and uh, humanism rather than relying on the Holy Spirit. And thus, uh, our, the, the senses of our flesh has been t strengthened too much. But you have to know that when, because we are spiritual beings, it should be impossible for us to live in Babylon and in the flesh. We have to learn to live by the Spirit and respond by the Spirit. And when that happens, we will be able to live without the things that are given to us by Babylon. 
and live with the things that are given to us by God, because that is how the Holy Spirit leads us in this path. And to pastors, the book of Second Corinthians is so important because it teaches teaches us to live by the Spirit and to fall under the dominion of God. And in the church, especially, the dominion of God has to be set, uh, has to be built up first, because that is the order in which God created the church. And so, if that is not established properly, then the church cannot function uh, properly. But uh, as soon as you live by the Holy Spirit, this is how the Holy Spirit will lead you and lead your church. He will help you fall into the order of God. But if this order is broken, the church cannot rejoice. So now we're going to conclude uh, the boasting today. And Paul, talk, in the beginning of this chapter, Paul talks about his spiritual experiences. And there are many things that the, the, the people who are rebelling against Paul are using against him right now. And they accused him of being, uh, uh, not being a sincere apostle to them. And they accused him of not having the letters of recommendation from Jerusalem, and so they cannot trust in who he is. And of course, they threw many things at him, many other things at him. But one of the things that they threw at him was that he does not have any spiritual experiences. It is not a required experience to, for, for an apostle to have or the members of a church to have these spiritual experiences. And yet, the, the church of Corinth was using it to accuse Paul of not being uh, a true apostle. They were accusing him of not having spiritual experiences before. And thus, they are tearing down his position as the apostle. Uh, they think that uh, Paul has spiritual experiences, but he just didn't uh, tell it to the church of Corinth. Because spiritual experiences belong to him. And when the people are able to receive the gospel that Paul is preaching, that because that gospel itself has the life of God in it, as soon as we receive it, we'll be changed and we'll ex experience, ex be able to experience this kind of spiritual uh, elements. And spiritual experiences, because it is very personal, uh, everybody interprets it differently. And so in verse 4 he says uh, he heard inexpressible things that no one is permitted to tell. And so that's why uh, Paul, Paul decided that it was not necessary to tell the church of Corinth about these experiences that he had before. And we have heard many testimonies before. And the danger of testimony is that it only talks about the things that you have experienced in the past. But what about now? What are you experiencing at the moment? And so the funny thing is that these, uh, these uh, people who are rebelling against Paul were remaining in the past. They're only focusing on what happens in the past and not focused on what they are doing, how effective they are in the current moment. So let's move on. I must go on boasting. So Paul uh, is kind of grudgingly having to boast to the church of Corinth because that that church is so immature that they need this kind of uh, stimulus 
to, to help them and help them understand uh, their wrongdoings. So Paul cannot help himself but boast of the things uh, of himself right now to the church. Although there's nothing to be gained, I will go on to the visions and revelations from the Lord. So Paul is talking about his experience being caught up to the third heaven. And it's difficult to describe this as a vision. And and it's incorrect in the current uh, sense. This is because during the period of the earlier churches, they did did not have any data or past experiences in in, in, it's it's, uh, experiencing spiritual departure from your body and the, the, the people of the early churches did not know what this is and so that, that's why they describe it as a revelation even though God has allowed their spirits to leave their body and, and go to another location or go to the Holy of Holies and uh, years ago when I was before I became a pastor you know, the Lord helped me uh, allowed me to see a lot of people who were experiencing these kind of spiritual departures and many of them, uh, once I was holding a conference for the youth, and there was around 500 children who attended that conference, and half of the children were able to go to heaven and experience heaven, and half of the children were able to see what hell was. And the children who saw how, how harsh and how, how bad hell was, was were completely changed. And they begged their parents who were not believers to believe in the Lord, because if they do not, they, their souls will be damned to hell. And all the children who attended that conference uh, decided and declared that they are going to be pastors or ministers in the future. One of the child had a parent who was a professor at uh, one of the Korean universities. And that mother, even though she was married to a pastor, she did not want her child to become a pastor as well because she knew how difficult that job was. But this child, after experiencing this kind of spiritual uh, experience, went to her, his mother and told her that he was, he was going to become a pastor like his father as well. So, for the past, uh, during my ministry, there were many experiences where the Lord allowed me, allowed my spirit to depart from the body. Uh, and and see stuff or, or uh, see other locations, and so uh, be, uh, let's go back to the point. It was not a vision; it was Paul's spirit departing his body. And through that experience, through that experience, you, you will receive revelations from the Lord. And in order to interpret these revelations, you need the wisdom of God. And so revelations and wisdom are a package together. It is always given together by the Lord. And re- receiving revelations itself is not a, is not a, a spiritual gift, but it is a very important element uh, as, as, as pastors and as spiritual beings. And the Holy Spirit is the one that imparts this spirit of revelations and the spirit of wisdom upon us. And when Paul is using the word revelations here, in chapter 9, verse 12, he says, 
Anyways, other than here in the book of Galatians and also uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul describes the word of God itself as revelations. And he says that the word of God is secret, uh, a secret also. And the reason why he describes the word of God as a secret is because this word of God, the word of God is given to you and you only. Secret is something that you only you know. But we, since we have received the secret from the Lord, we have to reveal that to others as well. And the word reveal is written as the word apocalypse in, in, in Greek. And to those who live by the Spirit that God gave to them, they are able to receive these kind of revelations. And it becomes the motivation for their life, lives. And why is the wisdom of God not present in the world? Why is the revelations of God not in the world? It's because our ultimate goal and motivation has turned away, has turned away from the Lord. And so that's why uh, wisdom and revelations is not described as a spiritual gift. Because spiritual gift is something that we can utilize as soon as we have the anointing of God uh, upon us. Whether or not what kind of lifestyle we have chosen to live doesn't really matter. And there are many aspects to uh, revelations. But interpreting the Word of God is also a part of what this, uh, uh, a part of revelations. And so revelation is an important factor in interpreting the Word of God. And without the Lord's revelations, we cannot do anything, even though the world may call us heretics. Revelations should be standardized within the church, and you have to continue to reveal the secret that God has given to us. And wisdom is, uh, is given to us so that we can understand and, and act out this revelation that He has given to us. So in Ephesians 1.10, when Paul talks about the church, he said that uh, wisdom and revelations is very crucial for the church and so that it helps it to function properly. When we look in the New Testament, all the authors, they all speak about an important thing. And they always uh, refer to the things written in the Old Testament. And that itself can be seen as a revelation. They bring the, the messages and the, and the Word of God that is spoken in the Old Testament to their, their, their current situation. And they unify with the revelations that are given to them in the New Testament. That is done through uh, revelations and wisdom. And because the Word of God is life, we need revelations and wisdom to interpret it. So, I don't have time to explain in detail what revelations are. 
uh, Paul is uh, using revelations to describe the manifestation, manifestation of God's uh, uh, of God to the Church of Corinth right now. And he's telling the Church of Corinth that he has received the reason why God has given him this kind this, this vision. So he's telling the Church of Corinth that God has revealed Himself to him for for a specific specific reason. So, anyways, let's move on to verse two. I know a man in Christ who, 14 years ago, was caught up to the third heaven. And why is Paul uh, describing himself in the third person? So he he describes this man as being in Christ. And uh, in Christ is used in very different, uh, very, many different contexts. At times, it is to explain a Christian, uh, and, and there are many numerous ways to interpret it. But, but the reason why Paul is using in Christ here is because he's explaining to the Church of Corinth that the reason why he was able to experience this kind of spiritual experiences is because he was in Christ. And he's saying that he's in a state where at any time, if the Lord allows him to do so, he can depart his spirit from his body. And that is not common nowadays because of our spiritual state. But because Paul was at the, the, at the apex of his spirituality at the moment, that's why his spirit was so light that the Lord can allow it to depart from its body uh, to aid him in, in his ministry at all times. And of course, this is all done through the through the will of God. It is not something that Paul can do for himself. Just like in the case of Philip, he was able to uh, almost teleport to another region uh, because the Lord allowed him to do so. Because Paul had this relationship of life with the, the Triune God, he had all he he met all the qualifications to do this. And so, when you're able to maintain this 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 uh, this relationship of being uh, of being in Christ and having Christ in you, you're able you're preparing yourself to be available for the Lord's ministry in in every moment. But if you do not maintain that kind of relationship, it becomes difficult for the Lord to use us when it is necessary. So uh, Paul is, is describing his experience of uh, of going to the third heaven. Uh, in our church, we commonly we always say that in prayer, in your time of prayer, you need to go to go before the throne of grace. And some people think that uh, that's only like a, a parable or, or um, an analogy. But those who live by the Spirit, those who have this kind of loving relationship with the Lord, are able to go to the Holy of Holies and come before the throne of grace and meet the Lord in their time of prayer. And because this is the fulfillment of the promise uh, that is given to us by God, which is fulfilled by Jesus Christ. And so, 
because we are cleansed by His blood, we have we all, any at any time we have the right and the qualification to come before the Lord. And uh, nowadays, in most cases, all the times that you have experienced uh, going somewhere when you're praying or, or experiencing uh, you being put in a different situation, um, rather than you going there, it's actually that location being pulled to you. In the book of Ephesians, it says, uh, Paul says that even though he was separated from the church, he was able to see the church and, and, and discipline the church from away. It's because when you are a spiritual being, you are not limited by the third dimension. When your spirit is constantly under the presence of God, and when you have embodied what it means to live by the Spirit, you will be able to experience this kind of uh, events. And you'll understand, and it's not important whether you are going there or, or that location is coming to you. But the important thing is that the Lord allows you to transcend your, the limitations of your, of your physical body and experience these kind of miracles. So Paul has experienced this uh, 14 years ago. So Paul was writing this letter, letter around AD 55. And so uh, he experienced it around AD 41. <clears throat> and this is two, AD 41 was uh, two years before Paul was finished with his, with his training in the wilderness. So it was the time where his relationship with the Lord was at its most intimate phase. So it was not... It was a time where God was concluding his, his training in the wilderness. And that's why he allowed Paul to experience what it, uh, what, what it is like to enter into the third heaven. And what is this third heaven? It is the space uh, that, that goes beyond our, our universe. And Paul says he was caught up to this third, third heaven. So what exactly did Paul experience? He wasn't... The third heaven wasn't brought to him. Rather, he was brought to that, that, that space. That means his spirit and his body was uh, divide, uh, separated for a moment. But Paul was, not, Paul was unsure of that. Because those who have experienced this kind of spiritual departure, departures do not know exactly whether the spirit has departed the body or not. At times, uh, when you're in a clear state, you'll be able to see everything and interpret everything through your reason and rationality, even though your spirit is outside of your body. But at times, like in the case of Daniel, uh, it's not exactly very clear. So to be exact, Paul's spirit was, uh, has departed his body. So uh, since your spirit has departed your body, does that mean your body is dead? Have you ever touched the hand of someone who was experiencing this? Is it, is it cold? Is it stiff? How do you know? Is he alive? How do you know? To be honest, we cannot know. That person might be alive or they might be, they might be dead. Because, uh, to be exact, their, their spirit has left their body. And so it is difficult to, to, to describe them as being alive. 
And of course, it doesn't mean the functions of their body has stopped. Their blood is still coursing through their bodies and their heart is still beating. But their, since their spirit has departed, has left their body, uh, I think we should define them as being dead for a moment. And to those uh, who are in the midst of experiencing uh, spiritual departure, if you touch their, if you if you check their pulse, their pulse slows down quite a bit. But anyway, since we cannot uh, define what is alive and what is dead, uh, it is up to God to do so, and He will. <clears throat> he, whatever happens, He will allow them to come back, come back alive again. And here Paul probably thought that he spent a lot of time in the third heaven. But to be honest, he, the time that his spirit was, was the, um, separated from his body is probably very short. We don't know exactly how long uh, it was. It could be minutes or it could be hours. But the reason why God allows this to happen to us, even though there's a huge risk in this process, it is because it is so important for Paul to experience uh, that, that event. And because the risk is so high, most of the time the Lord does not allow our spirit to leave our bodies, but rather He brings that place to us so that we can, ex- we can experience, it, experience it here. And many people uh, say that they have experienced, they have went to heaven before. And that is not even heaven, that is paradise. So, uh, there's a clear difference between uh, them going to heaven and them just seeing heaven uh, in a vision. And I can say that not, not a, it's very rare for, the, for God to allow the spirits of people to leave it, its body and, and go to heaven or go to any, any place else because there's so many risks. And like I said before, um, if your spirit has actually left your body, then that time will not be long because there are huge risks that come afterwards. And so even though you spent like five minutes away from your body, it, it may feel like years. But, uh, but, 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 but Paul's spirit has definitely left its, bo- left its body here. And this is a very rare case. So not many people will have experienced the same thing as Paul did. And Paul does not say what kind of revelations were given to him through this experience. But it was probably very necessary for him to receive it in order, in order, to, in order for God to work through him. And he probably saw like, a tremendous amount of revelations and visions while he was there. And God needed to tell him and teach him of these things. And that's why he allowed such a a dangerous uh, event to happen to him. So God does this to us from time to time according to his needs. So listen carefully here. Most of us have not experienced this before. And most of the things that we are seeing in our time of prayer are visions. But Paul 
actually experienced what it means to have his, have his spirit leave his body. But whether or not your spirit has left your body is not important. The important thing is, are you pulling on the Lord's presence at all times? Are you, are you allowing yourself to become available for the Lord to work through at any time? And we have to always experience how, how great the glory of God is when He, when he comes to us. And Jesus Himself was able to maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit for 30 years. And because He was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Lord allowed Him to do miracles, even though He was fully man, like walking on the water. And that's the life of a person that has not limited the works of the Holy Spirit in his life. And some apostles are able to teleport through an entire desert. So do not underestimate the Holy Spirit that is within you. What, it, what does it mean to resurrect, be resurrected? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we talked about this. When the Holy Spirit is able to fully work from within you, when you're allowed to do so, the Holy Spirit will, will envelop your whole body and, and make it different, transform it, so that He can use it in His, in his ministry. So how much have you limited and, and, and uh, rejected that Holy Spirit that lives within you? For 32 years, God has allowed me to experience a lot of amazing things. But none of those happened when I was not filled with the Holy Spirit. I saw uh, floods disappearing before me. And I was able to uh, come down from a mountain in 17 minutes even though it took me hours to reach the top. This was all done in the state of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we have to always maintain the state of being filled with the Spirit. You know, in a day like tonight, uh, when the grace of God is so great upon us, we need to, uh, uh, we need to always maintain that, that, that kind of state, to be honest. Of course, you cannot experience these miracles every day. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, He will allow you to, to move between places and He will bring a lot of locations to you for you to experience. It might not be every day, but it's often. And the reason why Paul was able to experience this event was because his spirit was, uh, his spirit was at the apex of its spirituality around AD 41 and 2. <clears throat> so this is probably the first time and the last time that he has experienced his spirit being taken from his body. He was caught up to the third heaven. And I don't think I don't think he was pulled to new heaven and new earth. I think he the third heaven that he experienced is also paradise as well. Let's move on. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. Only God knows. Oh, verse 4. Was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. 
So he heard a lot of revelations that he is not permitted to tell. And the reason why he was allowed to hear these things is because he was he had to play an important role in preparing the way for the Lord. And his spirituality was at the apex uh, of uh, at the apex at, at by this point. And uh, nowadays, it is not necessary for God to complete His revelations upon everybody. It's not to the point of having to 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 uh, bring the spirits to the third heaven to experience all these revelations, uh, like Paul did. Of course, when we listen to the testimonies of the Christians of this age, we still hear people uh, experiencing similar things to Paul. But uh, I do not trust most of their testimonies. It is still possible for the Lord to allow it to happen to some, uh, some people. But in the overall timetable of the Lord, I don't think it is necessary for God to, do th- to, to allow that to the people uh, these days. So, but, but shall we have somebody experience it tonight? I, will not, I cannot guarantee your spirit coming back to your body afterwards, though. The reason why your spirit might not come back to your body is because it is so amazing to, to, to experience that heaven. I heard a testimony before where a pastor's wife has a, did experience her spirit leaving her body and she was caught up to heaven and having a good time with with. Um, with, with the Lord but uh, her body was dead at that moment and so the pastor his, her husband ministered her for her spirit to come back to her body and as soon as that happened the wife rebuked him saying why did you bring me back here I had such a good time up there so that only proves how wonderful heaven is and how wonderful a place God is preparing for us up there and when people die on this earth, especially believers, when they die, we should not be. Uh, it is only we who are sad because as soon as they die, their spirits are already in heaven and they are enjoying themselves already. Verse 5. Paul talks about his uh, physical weaknesses and his thorns from verses 5 to 10. I'm going to emphasize once more. You need to live by the Spirit. You have to know that um, <clears throat> even though you're living in the practical world right now, you're living in your practical bodies, you need to learn what it means to live by the Spirit as well because that is as real as living in, the bo- in your bodies. And when you're, when you're connected with the Holy Spirit, you're not limited by uh, time and, and space anymore. And since uh, our spirits are not tied to time and dimension, as soon as we die, in a few couple of seconds, our spirit will be pulled. Uh, our spirits will be pulled out of this universe, out of this dimension, and enter into paradise. When I was in Israel, 
Minnie, my my nephew, who had cancer, uh, was in, in 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 Korea. But even before the people notified me of her death, I was I was able to sense her spirit leaving her body and leaving this dimension. He was able to leave the solar system in seconds, and it transcends uh, the universe to reach paradise. And through that, we can ex- we can tell we can see how light the spirit is, and how it is not tied to time and space like our fleshly bodies are. So you need to live by the spirit because it is not limited in this way. And do not limit the works of the Holy Spirit within you. If you do that, you get bound, and your spirit gets tied down, and uh, that's what hinders you from being able to go into the Holy of Holies. You guys really need to experience what it means to be spiritually light and experience this kind of freedom. If your spirit is tied down, then um, you are living with a lot of burden and a lot of weight. David, who was living in the Old Testament, without the Holy Spirit, he was able to experience this kind of spiritual lightness and spiritual freedom. He knew what it meant to live by the Spirit. He knew what the blood of Jesus was, even in the Old Testament. And that is possible because he has such a close relationship with the Lord. So what you experience, what you sense is not so important. The important thing is for your spirit to not be tied down and, and, and always being available for the Lord to, to, to manifest. And now when it's in the season where God is restoring our church to the state of the, uh, to the state like the early churches. So if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to transcend time and space. Imagine you being able to use one percent of the Holy Spirit's power. So right now. Right now, you might be able to use the 1% of the Holy Spirit's power. But after maintaining the fullness of the Holy Spirit for a year or two, you'll be able to use like 10%, 15%. Imagine what, can, what the Lord can do through you when you're in that state. And as you, as you get deeper into this relationship, the Lord will completely take over your body. So the fight is dependent, the victory of, of uh, our victory is dependent on who is able to uh, rely on the Holy Spirit more. So these things written in the Bible are not uh, analogies or symbols uh, or myths. Rather, when you live by the Holy Spirit, these things can become practical to you. So let's move on. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except except about my weaknesses. So, Paul did not even finish talking about being caught up to the third heaven, but now he has moved on to talking about his weaknesses. So, he's really a man of God. He does not... uh, praise himself or boasts of his weaknesses rather and he's not 
boasting about his weaknesses itself, but rather he's uh, he's showing the Lord's dominion over him and how the Lord aids him to 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 uh, to make up for these weaknesses. Weakness itself uh, is not something to be boastful of. But in our weakness, the Lord can manifest, and that's why we can boast of our weaknesses. Let's move on to verse six. Even if I should choose to boast, I will not be a fool. Because I will be speaking the truth. <laughs> but I refrain so no one uh, will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. And uh, even though Paul can boast, even though pa- Paul boasts of himself, he's not a fool because it is true. He's speaking the truth to this church. But Paul does not boast of himself to the full because he's afraid of those who are listening to what he's boasting of and interpreting in a different way. So you can tell that this is the difference between me and Paul. I, I want to boast of myself and, and let you know exactly how holy I am before the Lord. But Paul, that was not Paul's attitude. And I'm really uh, jealous of this kind of relationship that Paul had with God. Many people, even though they have one, they would explain it as ten or hundreds. But Paul was somebody who had millions, but but, but only uh, revealed one. And that's the problem with uh, us pastors. We always kind of amplify what we have. <laughs> And it's not, we're not actively trying to deceive the people. Just like when you're, when you're telling your height to somebody, you would always add, add like two or three centimeters because it's not too much, but it makes you look better. So I understand their intentions, but it is still not the truth. And so we have to be careful. But Paul did not do that he, because he was the man of God. And he was afraid of, the, uh, of these people thinking too much of him because of the things that he has experienced before the Lord. Let's move on to verse 7. We only have three verses left after this. Or because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. So to keep me from becoming conceited. So since Paul has been given this great revelation, his spirit was so light that he was able to enter into the third heaven. That means Paul was in the best, the absolute best state. uh, His spirit was in the best state that any man has experienced before. So it should. 
So simultaneously, he can become very prideful and also lose all hope in the world, and and desire to and desire to 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 die and be separated from it. The reason why God does not let every, everybody experience these kind of events is because as soon as you know how how amazing uh, the Lord's paradise is, it's difficult to still have hope in the world and want to live on. And so, uh, um, only those who have lived very faithfully and sincerely before the Lord does the Lord allow them allow, allow their spirits to experience what it is what is what it is like to live in heaven, because if we brought people who just lived uh, very blandly or live very wickedly on this earth to heaven, then seeing that and experiencing that will help will, will allow them to lose all hope in the world and cease having the will to live on. So the reason why Paul was caught up to the third heaven is because the life that he was living is already very, very similar to the life that he can live in in uh, paradise. But if that's not the case, then as soon as you come back from that that uh, from that from the third heaven, you would be counting down the days until you can die and and go to that place again, and all life on this earth will be miserable for you. But the reason why Paul was able to stay grounded was because he knew of his his role in the ministry of of the Lord. But for the rest of us who do not have that kind of role to play or are, or are not in that kind of spiritual state, the Lord will not allow this kind of experience to happen to us. We need to reach at least reach the level of Paul's spirituality in order for something like this to be possible for us. And this experience itself will not be beneficial for just anybody. Only those who can so we're in verse 7 so Paul did not want to be conceited which means he did not want to be prideful and uh, some people might get get in over their heads when they have this kind of spiritual when they receive this kind of spiritual experiences Uh, people like Elijah, who even though even after experiencing such a great victory in lighting the altar, uh, he escaped the crowd and went to the mountain to pray before the Lord because he knew because he needed to humble himself before the Lord. So the life of Paul and the life of Elijah can only be lived by those who can see themselves in this way. And generally, generally, uh, know that not having, not being allowed to to experience these things is the key to happiness. 
Because as you can see, after experiencing these great things, uh, Paul was given a thorn to live in, in his flesh. So it is better and uh, happier for us, better for us to live without uh, these experiences. And when you look at the story of Elijah, um, the, the focus of the story is not that the fire of God came from heaven and lit the altar, but rather that Elijah escaped the crowd and went to the mountain to pray before the Lord right afterwards. When you have that kind of spirituality and that kind of relationship with the Lord, then maybe the Lord will allow these experiences upon you, and you'll, you will be more than happy to bear this thorn in the flesh. Paul was... Mm, was given more than enough to make him prideful and conceited, but he did not. Because Paul was not a method for God, but his goal. And because we are all goals for the Lord, He does not allow these experiences to come upon everybody. And, the goal, and His goal for us is to reach uh, the, 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 the apex of our spirituality while we walk, walk on this earth, to experience His glory in full. So what is given to us, what is not given to us is not important because we are not another method for God to use, but rather a goal that He has set for Himself. So rather than wishing and praying for the Lord to give you these experiences, you should pray so that you can become a state where you're able to receive this thorn in the flesh. Are you? It doesn't make sense that you long for these spiritual experiences when, you're not, when, you're, when you are not willing to suffer through uh, these thorns. So let's move on. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. So we don't know what that thorn was, but it was a thorn given to his flesh. And it's also a messenger of Satan. So we don't know exactly what it is, but in his body, the Lord allowed the, 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 the devil to work upon him. And it is something that should uh, strike his pride because uh, uh, the devil was able to touch the flesh of Paul. So even though we don't know what exactly this, this thorn is, but it probably brought him a lot of pain physically. And it, pro it might be a physical illness as well. And it probably brought a lot of pain to Paul. So since that, since that experience, Paul had to live and bear this throne in his, in his flesh. And the reason why Paul's spirituality reached its climax around AD 55 is because it, after, the, uh, after he was given this thorn in the flesh, he had to live with it and cope with it and let it help him to, to mature even more and ultimately uh, go to the point where he's able to bear the cross of Jesus in his life at all times. And that's why his spirit was able to reach its climax around AD 55. 
Paul accepted it because he loved the Lord so much. He was willing to suffer through these hardships and he did not doubt the love of God in, in the process. And only upon those who do not doubt the love, the, the, the love of God will God allow these thorns and allow these sufferings to come upon them. So thorns are not given to anybody. It is a hardship and it is a suffering. Even myself, the, the pain and the sufferings that I am experiencing in the flesh is not a thorn given to me by God, but uh, 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 a pain that I have to endure through because of my wickedness and because of my sins. It is an issue of, uh, of, of evil, evilness rather than a thorn given to me by God. And as you mature spiritually, uh, you'll be able to experience how the Lord re- uh, how the Lord allows these hardships and sufferings to come upon you so that you can uh, grow even more. And all the hardships and sufferings that are given to us are, are given to us so that we can experience spiritual breakthroughs and so that it can help us to uh, remove all wickedness and evil within us. And this is all in the process of helping us reach glorification. And since God has promised upon uh, all His children to promised all His children uh, this process of becoming blameless before the Lord and entering into glorification, uh, everybody, all of us, will have to go through these stages. But in the in the end, the reason why the Lord allows these hardships to come upon you is because He loves you and He wants you to grow from them, and not because He has uh, forsaken you. And through these sufferings, we can learn what it means to live while uh, live while bearing the cross of Jesus. Let's move on. I to verse eight. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. To Paul, this was this brought him great pain and great embarrassment and shame, probably. And he has pleaded the Lord three times to take it away from him. And what does this mean? In Paul's relationship with the Lord, nothing probably required him to three to, to pray three times before the Lord when he has such a close and intimate relationship with God already. Because in this state, Paul did not pray for things that were not within the will of God. And everything else that was prayed by God, prayed by Paul, will be responded by the Lord immediately. But the fact that Paul had to plead three times to the Lord to take it away from him means that this this thorn has brought great uh, torment and, and pain upon him. And during the age of the early churches, uh, the title as an apostle was was a very uh, high and noble title to have. But for somebody who is in such a high position to have have an illness or have a weakness in the flesh like that, probably brought a lot of shame upon that person because it means they have been uh, attacked by the enemy and have lost. Uh, we don't know what this thorn is exactly, but maybe it made, it made, it brought so much pain upon his body that he would faint from time to time. Think about his image to the other people then. 
And Paul probably knew that the reason why he was experiencing this pain was because it came from the enemy. And he probably did not understand why the Lord was allowing him to experience this kind, experience the, uh, these kind of sufferings. And so that's why he pleaded to God. Let's move on to verse 9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. Even though Paul pleaded three times, God was very firm and, and rejected his, his request. And this probably is, is, is a good reason for you to despair. Do you think when it says that uh, Paul ple- pleaded God three times, he, ple- he, pleaded God three- he pleaded to God three times in a row in, in one sitting? No, this means Paul uh, prayed to God very earnestly and, and yearned him to heal him three separate times. And there was uh, probably, probably quite a bit of time between each, uh, in, in the intervals of these prayers. He prayed once, and then he waited and had to suffer through the pain. And then he prayed again because it brought so much pain and torment and shame upon him. And so he prayed to God, and once again he was not responded. And then he had to suffer through and wait for a while and pray to plead God once again. And this was the answer that the Lord gave him. So listen carefully. When you pray... When you pray to the Lord and He seems to not respond to, respond to you, but if you take that lightly, then that means your, your relationship with the Lord is still not very close and you don't have a relationship of trust between you and God. Because it is a rule that when you pray to the Lord, He responds to that prayer. So if you pray to the Lord, He does not respond and you just give up that prayer then that is not the uh, image of the image of uh, uh, a child of God. At the very least, you need to remember everything that you have prayed to the Lord. And if the Lord responds, then you have, be, you have to be thankful. But if He does not respond to a certain prayer topic, then you need to do, you need to do something about it. And you have to pray until it is responded by the Lord or He tells you not to pray for that topic anymore. But if you just give up halfway, to, then you don't know how to, whether or not to thank God or, or to be upset with Him or anything. So if you have a hard time remembering all the prayers that you're lifting to the Lord, then write, write it down in a prayer journal. There are things that I have prayed 31 years ago that has still not been responded by you. But I still remember what I prayed about. And the only reason why you should stop praying is either the Lord has responded to your prayers or He has uh, told you directly that that is not a prayer that He is pleased with and so you have to stop. Other than those two results, there's no reason for you to give up praying. So don't do anything moderately before the Lord. And 
Paul already had this close relationship with the Lord. And that's why he pleaded three times to the Lord, even though the Lord was silent and, 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 and has turned his back to Paul uh, in the, when he prayed the first and second time. But look here. God responds in his third time of prayer. He says, My grace is sufficient for you. Paul is saying, Lord, would you take this pain away from me? But God responds by saying, My grace is sufficient for you. And this is in the perfect tense, which means he, he has already given him enough grace. And so, you, you, um, so Paul had to stop praying for this, for this to happen to him. And, but this response itself was, was enough for, for Paul. Let's say we pray to, pray to the Lord saying, Lord, we need money. And most of the time we want the Lord to respond saying, I will give you that money. But let's say he says, my grace is sufficient for you, even if I don't give you the money. Then will you be uh, satisfied with that answer? And for Paul, this is not a matter of money, but a great pain and a great thorn that he had to endure through a lot, uh, many years. But this response itself was enough for Paul to give up that prayer and be satisfied with this response. And that's the, the, the great relationship that Paul had with God. And humanly speaking, we might think that when the Lord responded by saying, My grace is sufficient for you, a great amount of grace was poured upon, upon Paul so that he was able to be relieved of all the pain that he was suffering. But that's probably not the case. And not just that, maybe uh, the love of the Father was poured upon him. To, to, to allow him to overcome these the thorns of his flesh. Or maybe the Lord pours, um, poured his anointing upon the church of Corinth and all the other churches so that they would love Paul and support him. And we don't know how God uh, helped Paul and how his grace was revealed to him. But I'm sure as time went went by the, uh, I'm sure as time went by uh, God did something to, to aid Paul in his ministry so that he can overcome this weakness so, and so rather than focusing on the pain that he was experiencing in his body the Lord will allow more grace upon him so that he can look past that pain and continue on in his ministry given to him by God And for us, we have a lot of thorns in our lives. Now, a thorn might not just be in your flesh, but it might be another person that torments you. But uh, as God pours His grace upon you, rather than seeing the mistakes that, and the evil that is within that person, the Lord might show you uh, what weaknesses you have within yourself and help you solve that problem and when, you're, when that problem is resolved, you'll be able to uh, forgive that person and embrace them. 
But because we do not turn to the Lord for His grace to come and, and uh, help us, we always blame others. We blame our families. We blame our situation. We blame our churches. But we have to live by bearing the cross of Jesus in our lives. To not respond by the flesh, but respond by the Spirit. And when we live like that, we'll be able to see how the grace of God is being poured upon us and be satisfied with it. And that's why, through this response, Paul's relationship with the Lord was brought to another level because he trusts in the Lord. And this itself became a motivation for Paul's spirit to reach uh, the stage of glorification. Isn't Isn't it amazing? Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, Um, through, through his suffering, we're able to receive grace, and through his suffering, we're able to, re- to, to become whole. So all the sufferings and all the hardships that Jesus had to endure through, was he endured because his goal was us. He wanted us to receive peace, to receive harmony, and be reconciled with the Lord. In the same way, the reason why Paul was able to endure through all the pain and suffering that was enduring, that he had to endure through because of his throne was because, because um, the grace of God that was being poured upon him had uh, brought him peace and harmony. And the reason why, uh, even though you, 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 you always seek comfort and seek material things from the world, and the Lord still gives you that, is because your faith is so weak that God, God cannot help but give it to you so that you can continue on in your faith life. But that's not the, uh, the, 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 the way it should be. You need to be able to receive these thorns and endure through all the pain and sufferings and hardships so that the Lord can help you grow and experience these kind of spiritual breakthroughs. And this process itself should not overwhelm us, but rather we should always uh, move on and endure through these things, persevere through these things by looking at the grace that God is pouring upon us. But this kind of lifestyle cannot be lived by those who are living by the flesh. It is only possible when we respond by the Spirit. Because the endless love of the Lord is being poured upon us. And that love can cover all all thorns and all weaknesses that we may have. And it should be the motivation that moves us. In Psalm 61, 66, Psalm 66, David had to endure through a, a, a period of, of difficulty because of his son Absalom. But through that experience, Paul, uh, David was able to experience a lot of things within the Lord. And his faith became very, very strong through that time period, through all the hardships that he had to endure through. Because he received the love that allows us to endure through, persevere through all tribulations. Because the Lord's has said, His 
covenantal love is what covers us all. And so it doesn't make sense for us to always uh, be upset with the Lord because of our, our, our conditions, our situations. You get upset, upset with him because he does not give you money. You get upset with him because uh, your husband is uh, making, you, making you sad. But when, you ha- when you're experiencing this love from the Lord, you stop to blame others. Because his portion of love is, allows us to uh, overcome everything that comes, be- comes before us. So my grace is sufficient for you. This is what allowed Paul to move on. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And this, this sums up the life of Paul. This is why Paul always sought after weakness, sought, sought to chase his weakness in his, in his life because he knew that in, in his weakness the Lord can manifest himself and reveal himself to him. When you know the cross, when you know the meaning that is behind the cross, and the reason why Jesus bare the cross for himself is because he wanted to bring peace and harmony to us. Some people, when they are met with difficulties and hardships, they uh, are not able to overcome it. Rather, they're they're oppressed even more by it and receive more spiritual bindings and scars. But others who are able to stand up in faith like David are able to um, praise the Lord for the sufferings that he had to endure through. Even in the midst of severe trials, because he was able to experience the, the, the fierce love of God coming upon him, he was able to uh, endure through it all. And it is the same for Paul. Through these thorns, through this hardship, he, he ex- has experienced the love of God coming upon him and touching him and molding him and restoring him. And that's why Paul was able to confess saying that nothing else matters to him but the cross of the Lord. And he cannot boast of anything but the cross of Jesus. And that's why he was willing to, to bear the cross and was still bearing the cross through all this uh, time. So we all must go through, pass through the cross uh, like Paul did. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So Paul still had the thorns of, uh, of uh, was still having to endure through the thorns of his flesh. But he's able to boast of it more gladly because of this resp- response from the Lord. And this cannot be understood by those who have not passed through the cross of Jesus. So we have to uh, acknowledge by faith that all the weaknesses that are in our surroundings is a channel for God to reveal His glory to us. And the, prob- and the issue lies in uh, are you willing to acknowledge that and choose that glory or are you going to uh, let those weaknesses become a burden for you? If your children, if your child is, 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 is your weakness, then without 
seeing the will of God behind why your child is uh, is like that, you will not be able to um, nurture that child in the right way. The same way, no matter what your weakness is, no matter what your thorn is, it is a channel for you to encounter the Lord in a deeper way. So you have to understand this. You need the spiritual uh, reflexes to, to always look towards Christ in all situations. Don't say this is only possible for Paul because he was a great apostle of the, of the Lord. No, it is possible for all of us as well because the Christ Jesus is given to all of us and not just people like, people like Paul. And so do not long for a perfect life in the flesh. It is impossible for you and there's, it's not necessary for you as well. I was like that uh, because uh, I have lived in the Babylon system for so long before meeting the Lord. Whenever you're met with these situations, you need to respond by the Spirit and, and pass through the Christ of Jesus once again. So let's wrap up. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So in, in all these sufferings, all these hardships, all these persecutions, Paul was, uh, I was willing to go through these things gladly because of the power of Christ. So from this we can see that all the all the, all the torments, all the sufferings, all the persecutions, all the tribulations are, that are thrown to us by the world does not cause us to stumble, does not cause us to become failures. Rather, it is a channel for the Lord to, 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 to help us reach this victory. So in the end, when we say weakness is victory, uh, Paul explains in the rest of the verse saying, uh, so that Christ's power may rest, rest on me. And the reason why he was like this the reason why he said this is because our weakness itself means when we, when we acknowledge this weakness before the Lord, it means we do not take responsibility for this weakness anymore because we, we, we give it to the Lord and He takes care of it for us. If we don't do that, then our weaknesses will cause us to stumble, will be the, the reason to our defeat. But we have to let our uh, uh, we have to give our weaknesses to the Lord because there's no defeat, there's no failure in the Lord. So why has your relationship with the Lord uh, stopped maturing? It's because you still hold on to so too many things. You still live by the things that you and and you have start start to live by the things that you have obtained. And that's why uh, you. That's why your prayers do not need to be responded by God anymore because you have so much on your plate already. They should not be taken lightly that Paul had to plead the Lord three times 
That means Paul uh, knew that uh, he needed to pray until the Lord responded. That there was no other option. No, for us, we have it easy. We have Luke Clinic to take care of our, uh, the problems of our flesh. Let's move on. So that Christ's power may rest on you. Why is the power of Christ not revealed in you? It's because you don't remain in the Lord. And that is because you have not allowed, to lo- allowed to, the Lord to work through your weaknesses. You have shut those doors. And when you have those doors shut, no matter how much you pray for Christ's power to be manifested within you, you that will not happen. And the reason why the Lord does not pour more power upon you is because the power of Christ is already within you in the, in the form of the Holy Spirit. And so you should say that, the, that Christ's power manifests from you, not that it should be poured upon you. And as you open up these doors for the, for the Holy Spirit to work through, as you allow the, Holy, the Lord to take your weaknesses from you, um, His power will manifest even more. So holiness, holiness is fire. And why is fire so powerful? How, how, how can you um, strengthen the power of, your, of this flame? And it's to pour more wood into put in more uh, wood to support the fire. Last, verse 10, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and difficulties. So weakness, is it, is it pleasing in the eyes of the world? Is insults, is hardships, are persecutions and difficulties uh, sought after in the world? No. But why was Paul... Uh, delighting in these things. Was he insane? He's clearly not <clears throat> normal. Raise your hand if you enjoy these things. None of, <clears throat> none of you, right? Who likes poverty? Who likes being weak? And this is the irony of the Lord's kingdom. Because the kingdom of God belongs to those who have these things those who are, are um, lame, those who are exiled, those who are uh, experiencing hardships, those who are chased. These are the ones who uh, have the kingdom of God in their spirits. And so we really have to repent because many times we long, we, we long after, we desire after the things of Babylon. And we uh, try our best to escape these things that are written in verse 10. And it is, uh, it is the will of God for us to choose this kind of lifestyle, not because of these things that come to us in that lifestyle, but because He wants us to choose to live by the kingdom of God. And because we know how great His kingdom is, we're willing to give up everything that will bring, bring us comfort or peace in the world. 
God is God is wanting to see those who are willing to give everything in the world to 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 receive the things that He has prepared for them. And that's why giving up everything is the key for us to become rich. Because everything that we don't have is filled by the Lord. So this kind of relationship should be established and <clears throat> established in all of us. And you need to have this relationship of trust, so that whenever you pray, you have a hundred percent certainty, certainty that the Lord will respond to you. And even though you might not be experiencing these things right now, there will come a time where you will have to. Uh, faced your weaknesses, these insults, uh, these hardships and persecutions and difficulties. But know that when you have this relationship of trust with the Lord, He will help you to, to overcome these things and ultimately show His love and glory to you. So, uh, inscribe this equation in your mind that your weaknesses leads to your victory because uh, in, in God. So don't even try to overcome your weaknesses by yourselves. Whenever you see one, just kneel down before the Lord and let Him take this, this, this weakness. And always live with the confirmation of your victory. Because none of the, of the, the, the difficulties, these persecutions, and sufferings of the world can take this victory away from you. Let's pray.